Christmas is, is fast approaching. That's why we're talking about all this stuff. And if you're like me, you are full-blown in the gift-giving mindset for Christmas. I, I enjoy getting things for Christmas, I really do. I don't expect much of my kids. I know, I know their income, and I just know. It's nothing they're gonna buy is gonna you know, blow me away. I hope it's sentimental, I hope it's sweet, and I will love it, probably won't change my life. But I'm at this stage of life where I look so forward to what I can, what I can give. I get so excited about getting gifts for my family, and especially when I think I have a gift that is like perfect. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, I, I know it, I've got it. Some years, especially with some people in your family, you're, you're like, I have no idea what to get them. I have no clue, they're hard to buy for. But then every once in a while you have this gift and you're like, this is it. it yes, this is, it's perfect. Several years ago, I had a gift like that for my dad. I was in college at the time and my dad is a really brilliant businessman, just an incredibly good businessman. He's been really successful, worked at a lot of really big companies. He does a great job, he's really smart. He's really good with people. He's a really great presenter. And I would watch my dad go on all these business trips. And every time my dad would go on a business trip, he would take one of these with him and it would just be this big binder full of, of CDs. For those of you who are, I know our students are in the room, guys, this is a book of, of circles. There's these really tiny, circles in here and back in the day you would feed them into your computer almost like it, it had a mouth and uh yeah so there you go these are called cds that's good so my dad would take this this giant book of cds with him every time he would travel and th this had all of all of his documents that he would give out to the people he was making sales pitches to. These would have all of his presentations because depending on the client, he would have all these different types of presentations that he might give. And when I was in college, these came out. Flash drives. I remember the first time I saw one of these. I thought it was like voodoo or something like that. Like this dude came in my room and he plugged this little thing into my computer and I was like, what, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's called a flash drive and it can store blah, blah, blah. It was something crazy, probably like 516 kilobytes of information back in the day. But it was amazing. I was like, you're telling me that you can store all your documents that you, on this? And he's like, yes. And I was like, my dad needs one of these. And back when I was in college, to get one that contained, like I think it was 50 megabytes. I actually remember. It was like $100 for 50 megabytes. But I bought one. And I was so excited. Because my dad's hard to buy for. Like, like, anyone have a dad that's really hard to buy for? Dads are the hardest. Maybe your dad isn't. Is it just me? It feels like it's just me. Okay, well, fine. Either you guys aren't in the mood to participate, or it's just me. It's fine. Either way. So, my dad's hard to buy for, because he's like a lot of dads. He's like me. Like, when I see something I like, I just get it. And so, by the time Christmas rolls around, it's like, ah, I already got all the stuff I wanted. Sorry. But this, I was like, this will change my dad's life. No more carrying around the, the CDs, no more, no more having to bring that with them, no more worrying about a CD getting scratched or getting left in the computer or anything. This, this is it. So Christmas Day, I'm like, finally, first time in my life, I got something for my dad that he's gonna love. And he opens it up and he just goes, what is, what is this? And I said, Dad, it's a flash drive. And it can take everything that's in this book, every single thing, and you can keep it with you. And it's this small, you can put it on your keychain. No more, no more of this. And he just kind of looked at it and he was like, eh, I don't know. 
And I was like, no, no, dad, trust me. And he had all these questions like, well, what if I find a computer that doesn't have the, the, the piece that needs to be plugged into? I'm like, it's just a USB. It's, it's, trust me, every computer has one of these. In fact, the likelihood of, of a computer not having a CD drive is higher than the likelihood of that. Dad, just trust me. And he's like, I, I just don't know. And so I came back to visit like a month after Christmas and it, it, was, it was still in the case. Um, he just, he couldn't make the switch. And I get it. Like, look, when you're doing something that works for you, do it. But I was so convinced that this gift was like the gift. He just, for whatever reason, didn't click. Today, and by the way, dad, I don't have any hard feelings about that at all. You're, we're good, we're good. Today, we're gonna talk about a gift that God has given all of us. And it's perfect. And it's life-changing. But it is a gift that we tend to have a hard time wrapping our heads around. We don't fully understand it. And so it can actually make us resistant to experiencing the gift that we've been given. Now for some context, we've been exploring for the last few weeks this amazing conversation that Jesus had with his best friends before he went to the cross. It was the last meal that Jesus had with his followers. He loved them, he knew exactly what was gonna happen to them. He knew that, that he was going to go to the cross and die. He knew that they were gonna scatter, that they were gonna be afraid. He understood that even though he had spent three years teaching them, demonstrating the power of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, they still hadn't gotten it yet. And so if you're ever trying to follow Jesus and you just don't get it, you feel like it doesn't click for you, you are in really good company. One of the first requirements of being a disciple of Jesus is not understanding what Jesus is all about. We all have to start there. So Jesus sees that there's all these dots that need connected in their minds and he has one more meal with them to do just that. And so this meal ends up being one of the most iconic moments of Jesus's life. The Lord's Supper, the little mini meal that we just took together, that comes from that last meal. Jesus saying things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you've ever heard that, that came from the conversation at that table. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. We talked about that a few weeks ago, this iconic moment where he serves them. That happened at that meal. This is one of the most important moments in Jesus's life. And thanks to the scriptures that we have and how well documented this meal is, it's like we get a seat at the table. And so today we're gonna jump in, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the advocate, 
as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. And if you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Jesus, in the last few moments of this meal with his, his best friends, promises them a gift that God the Father is going to send a gift to them. And that even though he will no longer be with them physically, it's not going to matter because they will have something that, that Jesus later on says is even better than having him physically. They will have the Holy Spirit. The very presence of God in their lives. And Jesus says it's a gift that brings peace that the world cannot give. Peace of mind, peace of heart. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23 says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is what the Holy Spirit will give. And Jesus promises that he's going to give the Holy Spirit to everyone who believes in him. And so today we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit. And also next week, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit. Because trust me, as I was writing this this week, I realized, yeah, this is a two week conversation. Now, I'm just gonna be honest. I love slash hate talking about the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is like the subject of the conversation in church. And here's why, I'm just gonna be really direct. I, I love talking about the Holy Spirit because I love God and the Holy Spirit is God. And I love God and I love Jesus and I love the Holy Spirit. I love all, all of God. I want to experience all of God and I don't know if any of you resonate with that, but I do not wanna be a person who lives life and only gets to experience a portion of God. I want all of God. If there's more of God that I haven't experienced, then let me have it. I love the Holy Spirit and I've experienced the Holy Spirit but I also hate talking about this for a few very specific reasons. Number one, the Holy Spirit, it's kind of a loaded topic because all of us are coming from different backgrounds and we've all had different experiences and the Holy Spirit can be like, like a touchy subject. So I'll give you an example. When I was in college, I worked at a, at a restaurant and I always worked Sunday nights. That was one of my shifts. I went to church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, worked at, at, at Chili's, it was great, great times. And, uh, and Sunday night was an interesting shift because we had a lot of churches around us that had Sunday night services. That was a big deal back in the day. And so you would get the Sunday night crowd and you would, you would think that the people who had been to church twice in one day would be like the most loving, kind, patient, generous people. No, no, it was not the case. And so I, I had, and I will, not, I will not name the denominations. I will not do it. You can ask me later and I'll tell you in private. But, 
And it, by the way, we're non-denominational, but what that really means is we just all come from lots of different backgrounds. We're like a big melting pot. And so there was this really big, big church close by and, and its people were like really awesome, but very serious. They were very serious people. I remember one night, we had five minutes till we closed. We closed at 9 p.m. And at 8.55, a group of 30 from this church walked in. And our, our kitchen crew had already started closing the kitchen down. We had no guests at all. We we're cleaning up and we're like, it's been a long day, ready to go home. And they said, hey, what time do you guys close? And I was like, oh, we close at nine. And the guy went, awesome. And <laughs> so I went back and told our, our kitchen crew and then they proceeded to cuss at me, thankfully in a language I didn't understand. And so, I just came back out and I remember it was like, it was so painful because it took a long time for their meal because everything was closed down. They complained that it took so long. And I'm like, you're at Chili's, like lower your standards, please. Come on, this is not fine. I love Chili's, I'm not, if you work at Chili's, I'm not knocking it, I worked there for three years. It's just like, it's Chili's, like, come on. And then they, they just left a terrible tip. So I had that crew pretty often on, on Sunday nights, it wasn't fun. But then I had this other group and they were from a different church. And this was a church that was like, I'm just gonna, it was like all about the Holy Spirit. And every time they sat at my table, they would start talking to me. And I, I loved Jesus, but they would, be, they would start asking me real personal questions. And it would be like, they would like, it was, it was I'm just gonna be honest, they were odd. They were, they were a little kooky, okay? Some kooky people. And every time I'd sit down, and, and, or they would sit down and I'd, I'd be their waiter, they would ask me, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm like, that's a weird question to ask your waiter. You know, like, have you ever had our baby back ribs? Like, what do I respond <laughs> with that question? And I remember saying, what they, here's what they meant. They came from a very specific tradition that believed that you either speak in tongues, which is, if you're not familiar, it is a, a spiritual gift that, that we see in the New Testament. And it's a spiritual gift that many people experience to this day where it's like you and God have a conversation that bypasses your brain and it's just like spirit, spirit. We'll talk about that at another time. But I had never experienced that. And I remember I would tell them, I, I know what you mean. I've never spoken in tongues, but I love Jesus very much. And I believe that the Holy Spirit ha gives a lot of different gifts to people who follow him. I just have never had that one. And they would go, we'll pray that you experience the Holy Spirit. And I'd be like, great, thank you. And I pray that he's given you the gift of generosity, which is also a spiritual gift listed in the Bible. Um, it turns out, no, they only got the tongues thing, no generosity. So it worked for me. I had a lot of experiences like that growing up. And I'm, I'm being really, I'm just being very direct. I had a lot of experiences with people who talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, but in this very like, I'm above you, I'm more spiritual than you, maybe one day you'll rise to my level kind of way. I also had a lot of experiences with people who talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and then they just behaved in really weird ways that were very off-putting. And it was like, if that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like, no thank you. I, I mean, I, I found myself, when I was in my early 20s, I was extremely resistant. Anytime someone would start talking to me about experiencing more of the Holy Spirit, because I'm like, no, 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 I know what that, that looks like. I've seen the people who act kooky and, and odd and off-putting, and I don't want that. So me at 23, 24 years old was very like, I would have almost a physical response where I would stiffen up anytime someone would start to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then one day I met this, this person 
And, and her, name, her name is Susan. Susan's one of the founding pastors of our church. I love Susan. If you knew Susan, she's just an incredible person. I miss her a lot. Susan had something that I didn't have. It was different. She had this passion and this sort of light and it wasn't off-putting and it, and it wasn't kooky and weird. Being weird is not a gift of the Holy Spirit, by the way. That's not like he doesn't say, and I bless you with oddness. That's not a thing. <laughs> Susan had the Holy Spirit, but it was, in, it was so attractive. It was like, what is that? You have some type of connection to God and I, I've never experienced it, not at least in the way that you have and I want to, but I'm kind of nervous because I don't want to get weird. <laughs> and Susan sort of opened my eyes to what that was really like. And that resistance in me started to fade. But I know when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking to a, a group of people and many of you may have had experiences like what I experienced. And there's a resistance because you've seen the kooky stuff and you're like, no, thank you. And let's be honest, we even see pastors and churches that kind of just go way off and get really strange and, and use the Holy Spirit as sort of this covering to behave that way. And it's, it's very off-putting and oftentimes it's just even wrong. One of my favorite authors said he believes that the greatest tool of the devil is really odd people who use the Holy Spirit as an excuse to behave however they wanna behave and it's self-indulgent and it isn't of God. And so when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I just want you to know, I promise I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I don't think I am. I, I can't be 100% sure. But the other reason that I, I love slash hate talking about the Holy Spirit as a subject is because every time I talk about the Holy Spirit and I've, I've preached on the subject of the Holy Spirit, ah, gosh, five or six times, I always feel this pressure to make it like this all-encompassing message that will answer every question you could possibly have about the Holy Spirit. Like I gotta go way back and backtrack and lay a foundation and, and the goal is that by the time I'm done talking about this, you're like, I totally, completely understand the Holy Spirit and that's impossible because I do not totally and completely understand the Holy Spirit. Not in the least. The older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. And the more I hunger and thirst to know more. Jesus, if you can't tell by what we read, was very comfortable teaching in ways that would make people go, I have no idea what he's talking about. What, can you say that again? Like he was okay talking in a way that would make you ask a lot of questions. And rather than answer all of those questions, Jesus would be very comfortable with you leaving thinking and wrestling. Maybe he knew that that's part of the process. That it's more important for us to have a, a heart that seeks God, that asks questions rather than have a mind that thinks it knows all the answers. And so just know that after this week and next, you will still have a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit, but I'm gonna do my best. And I prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to help me, so I expect good things. But just know this, if, if you're a new Jesus follower, be excited because this is, oh, this is everything. If you're someone who's been following Jesus for years and you're like, look, I get it, I understand all this stuff, I promise there's more. There's more. There is always more of God. And if you're skeptical, if you're like, I, this, I don't know if I've given my life to Jesus or not, I'm not sure about this, and this Holy Spirit stuff, I'm skeptical. Look, I get it, you have good reason to be. But I will never try to prove God to you, because I don't need to. 
He is perfectly capable of proving himself. And I believe that if you have an open heart and an open mind, you will experience whatever you need to experience from him. So with that said, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Well, to, to get started, it's not a what, it's a who. We have a tendency to, to when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this, I may have already done it in the message, to say it. It is, well, the Holy Spirit is a person. When Jesus left, he said, I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We had five people get baptized last Sunday. All of them were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you have these, these three people, these three persons, personalities that make up what we call God. Very often when we say God, we're talking about God the Father specifically, but God really is an umbrella term that describes God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't believe in three different gods. We believe in one God that exists with three distinct personalities or persons. And if you're like, how in the world is that possible? Okay, I would say look at yourself. The very first chapter of the Bible, when we're created, God says, let us, plural, make man in our image. And so if God exists in this sort of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one person thing, and we're made in his image, then we should reflect that, and we do. When is the last time you had an argument with yourself? Like, honestly. I said earlier that my, my oldest and I are doing this one month no, no sugar challenge, and just in the last two days, the number of arguments I've had with myself about sugar, it's like, he'll never know. He won't know, he's not here right now. One bag of M&Ms, it's not even that much. Because what's happening is my body is craving sugar and my mind is saying like, no, Justin, no, no, stop. And there's a fight that ensues. Am I crazy? Maybe. But like, honestly, how many of you have had moments like that where you are literally having a conversation with yourself as if you're two distinct people, right? That's because there's a physical you, you have a body, and that is you, that is absolutely you. But you have a, an intellectual self. We would actually call that a soul. Your soul, are, are your, it's your thoughts, your emotions, your will, that's your soul. And sometimes your soul and your body are in line, and sometimes they are not, and little battles ensue. But you also have a deeper part of you. You have a spirit. And it's, it's deeper than your body, it's deeper than even your soul. And those of you who have followed God for for a long time, maybe even not that long, know this experience where maybe your body and your soul are on one page, but something's not right in a deeper part of you, in your spirit. And you have a little bit of a, of a conflict within yourself. Well, that is you exhibiting exactly what we're talking about. We have a God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, except he's never at war with himself. And we actually reflect that. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit shows up in the very first moments in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Right in the very first few verses, we have the Spirit. 
And if you read the Bible in the Old Testament, there's moments where the Spirit of God comes upon people. That's the language used. The Spirit came upon someone. And usually it's to give them something that they need for that moment. And often it's kind of big stuff. And we get the impression in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would sort of be very selective and show up in moments when something big needed to happen. And maybe even in certain circumstances, there would be like a prophet. If you've never read their stories, read Elijah or Elisha. And they seem to just have the presence of God with them in a really constant way, but, but that doesn't seem to be the case for everybody. They're definitely unique. But Jesus comes along and he says, it's not gonna be like that anymore because of what I'm doing, because of what I'm going to accomplish on the cross, I'm gonna open up the Holy Spirit to all of you. And you will have the presence of God with you. God will make his home inside of you. That is the Holy Spirit. This isn't just for the select few. This isn't just for those moments when God needs something big to happen. This is a daily, constant truth that you have the Spirit of God within you. The Holy Spirit teaches us, reminds us what, what Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit strengthens us. Scripture says that strengthens our innermost being. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts and abilities, helps equip us for the part that we get to play in God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is, is the guarantee, the seal that we belong to God. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And we have the capacity to know God's Spirit and to experience God's presence in a powerful, intimate way. And Jesus tells us that this is what has to happen. So today, I want to talk really about two simple words that will, will get us going in this conversation. And then next week, we're gonna pick it up and I can't wait for what we're gonna talk about next week. I was gonna try to put all this into one message, but I love you too much, I just do. And I knew how long it would take. First word, need. How badly do we need the Holy Spirit? Now, a few years ago, I had a really cool experience. First and only time this has happened in my life is we went to buy a, a car. We bought our, our Kia minivan. That's, that's how we roll. And I was so excited because every other time I've ever purchased a vehicle, I had one filter in mind, and it was, what is the cheapest car that you are selling in this lot? Show me that car. That's how we got our, our Scion, and I'm still rocking it today. Drove it here this morning. Check engine light is on. Maintenance required light is on. It is still going. <laughs> Maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. <laughs> but when we got the Kia, we were like, look, we got four kids. This needs to be a car that lasts for a long time, and, and let's go, let's sit down, and let's look at our options. And I didn't realize how many options there are Nowadays, when you get a car, like they, they said, the, a few things came standard, like a backup camera. I had never had a backup camera. How many of you have a backup camera on your car? It's amazing. I don't understand how we haven't been hitting things with the back of our cars like every single time we go in reverse. And I mostly love it because every time I put my car in reverse, it's like I get to play a little video game for a few seconds. It's great. I grew up playing video games and it's like, oh, there's a screen and there's some lines on it. And I'm like, look at how good I am at driving this car. It's great. But that was standard. Then there were options. There were all these extras. Heated seats? We said no. I don't want my kids to be spoiled. I don't want them to, to grow up like that, you know? I want them to, to, to learn. The, oh no. 
We just, we couldn't afford it. So we said no to, to heated seats. Um, and then there were all these extra features. They were like, hey, we have a feature that if there's ever someone in your blind spot and you begin to turn, it will beep at you. I said, no. I just, I mean, like I could have said yes, but it was like, ah, I've had a car for a long time that hasn't beeped at me. So far, so good. And still so far, so good. I also have a wife that screams a lot as I drive. And that's more effective. I'm just gonna be honest. That, I, already have, I kinda already have that feature in the passenger seat. So, and I deserve that. Every time I get mad that Megan does that, she'll save our lives from like a wreck. And it's like, dang it, <sighs> keep doing that, keep doing that, okay. But there were, all the, there were all these features. And what I had to figure out is what features do I need and what features are just extra. For a long time in my life, I viewed the Holy Spirit as an extra feature. I viewed the Holy Spirit like a heated seat. Some awesome bonus thing, like the cherry on top, and if you have it, great, but not really foundational for, for what we need to follow God. And so my, my posture toward God with the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, if you, know, if you wanna give me more, great, but I'm good. And that is not the way that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. It is so clear from Jesus that we need the Holy Spirit. This is foundational. This is not, this is not a matter of, hey, you know, if you want a little extra, if you want that little flourish, you should get the Holy Spirit. It's like the heated seats of being a, a God follower. No, no, no. For Jesus, this is everything. This is the power source. We see this many times in scripture. For example, in John chapter 20, Jesus has recently risen from the dead and it says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and by his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you and the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Weird, but awesome. So like first priority for Jesus when he raises from the dead is you guys need the Holy Spirit. And like he had told them earlier, you've seen the Holy Spirit at work, you've experienced the Holy Spirit around you, but soon you'll experience the Holy Spirit within you. So he breathes on them. But, but even then, it's, it's not like it's enough. It's interesting because in Acts chapter one, verse four, this is again after Jesus has risen, it says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's already breathed on them, and he's already said, receive the Holy Spirit, but then he tells them, do not leave this city. He had just given them this worldwide mission. He's about to anyway, but he says, do not even think about leaving this city until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, until you have another experience. And so Jesus tells them, look, you've been following me for three years. You've heard everything that I've said. You've seen the miracles that I've performed. You've even joined with me in performing those miracles. I've breathed my spirit into you, but you still need to wait because you need even more somehow of the Holy Spirit to be equipped to do what I'm asking you to do. For Jesus, this wasn't an extra thing. For Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a necessity. We need the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 36 Verses 26 and 27. If I have a life verse, this is what it is. I actually had someone design a tattoo one time that I was gonna get, 
but then I realized, Justin, you're not cool enough for a tattoo. Just drop it. I was in my early 20s. Tattoos were a thing, and I wanted one. So I didn't do it, though, I promise. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, God says, talking about the time that we live in now where we can follow Jesus, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow all of my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Basically, God is saying, look, I will put my spirit in you so that you have the ability to do what I'm asking you to do. Without the Holy Spirit, you couldn't do it. And, and, and this is really important because I know we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and some of you, maybe you're new to the whole God thing. Some of you, maybe you grew up kind of like I did. In, in like a very solid, I grew up in an extremely solid church environment. I learned scripture. I learned the power of God's truth. But it was also a pretty rigid environment. And it was an environment where I did not learn that God is going to do the hard work for you. I did not learn that it was by the power of God's spirit that I would be able to obey him. I believed, and maybe this was taught, maybe I just picked it up, maybe I, I missed it. But, but I grew up in an environment where the takeaway for me was you better work really, really hard and you better put in a lot of effort and you better try and try and try to follow God. And I loved God and I tried really hard to obey him and I failed over and over and over again to the point where I felt like I was so much of a failure that by the time I was in upper high school, I wondered if I was even a Christian. And I felt like there was this burden on me and I was trying so hard to honor God and please God and love God, but it was by my own strength. It was by my own efforts and it was exhausting. Some of us have grown up in an environment where we have been spending years trying to prove to God how much we love him, trying so hard to do the right thing, but it's all been out of our effort and we, feel, we just feel spent. We feel like we don't measure up and we're not able to. And if that's where you've been, whether it was 20 years ago or, or two months ago, you need to understand that God never intended you, has never intended you to obey him and to follow him with your own strength. He would never ask you to do that. And I believe one of the greatest tragedies that a person could ever experience is, is growing up believing that they've gotta do it, they've gotta do whatever God asked them to do in their own strength. That's not what God does. Jesus never asked the disciples to follow him in their own power. He never said, hey, here's this big task, figure it out. He actually said, I will give you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is gonna do everything that you need. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without him. We cannot navigate a world like the world that we live in without the Holy Spirit. We cannot make sense of everything around us with all the lies that are, we're surrounded with on a daily basis without the Holy Spirit because he leads into all truth. That's what scripture says. So how much of a necessity is the Holy Spirit? There's nothing more essential. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit active in our lives, there is nothing, there's nothing that we can do in our own strength to get us where God wants us to be. And how beautiful is it that he never asks us to? That he never asks you to simply try harder and do better. But instead he says, no, I will put my spirit in you. I will equip you, I will remind you, I will teach you, I will guide you. 
We need the Holy Spirit. Second word, and we'll, we'll wrap up. This is a quick one. It's the word let. Let. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. says, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let. That's a permission-giving word. And it's interesting because usually in positions of authority, the person in authority never has to have the person underneath them let them do anything. Like I, I don't need my kids to like let me do whatever I feel like doing at home. You know, that's not how it works. Like, I'm the dad, I'm in charge. Although, it doesn't really feel like it most of the time, but it's okay. But think about that, like God saying let me let me work in you. Give me permission. Allow me. There's a gentleness there that's really powerful. It's like in Revelation 3 when Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and if you'll open it, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. He doesn't kick the door down. He doesn't break in through the window. He doesn't even, like, pick the lock. Although he could. But he knocks, and he, he allows us to let him in. That's how gentle he is. It's very much like what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. God is, is saying to all of us, let me work in you. Give me permission Allow me to speak to you. Allow me to guide you. Allow me to help you. Because I want to. I don't want you to do it on your own. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses five through eight says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. To rely on human strength is to turn your heart away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried of, about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I love this image. We have a lot of tree imagery here at our church as you walk around. Trees are everywhere. And there's something powerful about a tree, right? Like it, it grows, but not because it's trying. Like if trees could speak and you walked up to one and said, hey, are you tired? They probably wouldn't say, yeah, I'm exhausted. Look how much I've grown. Growth is something that's happening within them. It's a process that they're not having to, to muster. That's what it's supposed to be like for us. As Jesus followers, all those things that the spirit is supposed to produce in us, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are not things that we have to sort of will into existence. This is the spirit working in us to produce these things. And all we are asked to do is allow the Holy Spirit to work. Let him work. Pause. That's been one of the hardest things for me in my life. Because I've always been a striver. 
I've always been someone who's believed that I'm only as good as my last performance. And I can even think about things I've done with my kids that may have created that dynamic in them too, so I have a lot of work to do. But that's how we're, we're raised, right? That's what we're taught in this world. You do it. And if it wasn't good enough, do better. But that's not what Jesus teaches. Some of us have grown up striving to honor God, and it's time for that to stop. It's time, like today is the day that you need to stop, you need to stop trying so hard and start allowing God to move within you. Worship team, you guys can make your way out. We'll, we'll wrap up. I had an interesting experience um, talking to one of my son's friends about, uh, about writing messages. It was, it was Roman, actually, yesterday. Hey, Rocky and Renee, sorry to call you out in the middle of the service. Um, so my son has a really good friend named Roman. He's been at this church his whole life, and, and Roman was over doing some basketball stuff at my house, and, and he's like, what do you have going on for the rest of the day? And I was like, oh, I gotta write the message. And he went, this was yesterday. He went, you haven't written the message yet? I was kind of like, he was like busted, you know? I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I was like, it's fine. I, I used to like stress about this. I used to write the messages like on Tuesday or Wednesday. And like, cause I was like, I mean, I gotta get it done early so I can practice it and polish it and all that kind of stuff. And I realized that really what I was doing was just trying to polish a poorly thought out message because I hadn't heard from God yet. And so it's, it's amazing. There's been this transformation over the last few years and I'm just using this experience. I have this experience every week where I'm supposed to stand on a stage and talk to people about God. Like no pressure, you know, it's just the eternal salvation of their souls. Um, <laughs> no big deal, right? <laughs> it's all good. Bible says that, you know, those who teach will be judged more harshly. It's great. It's awesome. Can't wait. Hey God, wait. Hey Lord, hope I did right. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the thing, I used to stress out, like Wednesday or Thursday, if I didn't have the message, I'd freak out. I'd, be, I'd just be awful to be around. Or I'd try to write it, like I will write this and make it good. And then Saturday, I'd be like, it's terrible. And now, that's what I told Roman, I was like, don't worry about it at all. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I just haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard what I need to hear yet. I've read a lot, I've prayed a lot, I've studied a lot. I've written a lot of notes. I just haven't heard what I needed to hear yet. And I know that it's Saturday. And that just gets me excited because I'm like, well, then God's gonna have to say something soon. He's never, ever failed to show up when I need him to show up. And there's been this shift in my life where it's not by the, the power of of my own strength, my own abilities. It's not like me trying to strive. I just literally, this is how I live my life. And maybe this makes some of you go, we need to go to a different church because he doesn't take his job that seriously. But I'm honest, like I don't, I, if you ask me, like what are you talking about in a month? I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna say the first week of January. I have no idea. I don't really care if I know it now because he'll tell me when he needs to tell me. And instead of striving and working and stressing, what I just do now is like, I, this is what I, I pray this all the time. And I would just encourage you to pray this in your own life. This is the, the letting the Holy Spirit work thing. I say, Lord, you have my ear. You have my ear. I'm listening. At any moment, speak to me. At any moment, interrupt my thoughts. And if you're ever hanging out with me and I nod my head, 
and it looks like I'm somewhere else and I pull out my phone, it's because God has just like dropped something in my brain, probably because of something awesome that you said, because he likes to use all of us. And, and then I just have to put it down on my phone, like in the little notes section I have before I forget. And that's how it usually works. There'll just be a moment where I'm like, thank you, Lord. Boom, that's what I needed. Now I can go write the message. Sometimes that's on Thursday. Often it's on Saturday evenings and it's fine. It's fine. Because it's not in my own strength, it's him. I'm not saying that in all of your jobs, just wait till the last minute. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But I'm, what I am telling you is that the Lord knows what you need and he will give you what you need when you need it but it will not be because you mustered it. It will be because he loves you. And he wants you to experience this, this power that's at work within you, the Holy Spirit at work within you, giving you what you need when you need it. And it's time for all of us just to let it happen. Whatever situation you have right now that's stressing you out, whatever relationship you have right now that's broken, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit knows what needs to happen. And so often we're so antsy, we're so anxious for everything to be solved that we just wanna rush into it. We wanna to try to solve it. We wanna to try to fix it. We wanna to try to make it right in our own strength. And how often when we do that, do we just make it worse? Like how often? But if instead we would stop and pause and go, oh, Holy Spirit, you need to give me what I need. You're my comforter. You're my counselor. You're my guide. You're gonna lead me into all truth. So you know what, I'm just gonna sit back and listen. I'm gonna sit back and wait until you give me what I need and when you give it to me, I will go, but I will not go before you give me what I need. Because I will never rush into a battle ill-equipped. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when the Holy Spirit gives you something, it is like you have all that you need and then some, and you can walk into any situation in life with confidence, not, not arrogance, not some type of cockiness that comes from thinking you've got it, but a humility and a confidence that says, the Lord has given me what I need. He is faithful and he will do that. And Jesus is telling his disciples, just let the spirit lead you. Let the spirit lead you. Tell him that you have his ear or he has your ear rather, you already have his. Tell him that you're listening. Give him permission to speak to you, to guide you. He says he's a counselor. Ask him to counsel you. He says he's a comforter. Ask him to comfort you. He says he's an advocate. Ask him to be your advocate. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a guide. Ask him to guide you. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to do all the things that he's been promised to do and watch what he does this week. Watch what he does. Be open. Let the Holy Spirit leads you, you need this. Now, next week, we're gonna keep talking about the Holy Spirit. And if I could sum up next week's message in a word, as of right now, might change. It's just the word more. Because whatever you've got, there's more. And I, can I just ask this question? Is anyone hungry for more of God? Like, does anyone just want more? Like, it's just, what you've had is not enough. What you've experienced is not enough and you're like, ah, more, I want more. More, please. That's what we're gonna talk about next week, unless the Holy Spirit changes his mind. But what I want you to know today is that he loves you, you need him, he will give himself to you, let it happen. Stop trying so hard, breathe, let it come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. 
Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Lord, thank you for all the blessings you've given us. I love this place so much. This is the highlight of my week. You are so good. You are so faithful. Your spirit is real. You give us so much more than we need because you give us all of you. So Lord, for for all of us, no matter where we're at today, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to experiencing more of your spirit. Lord, that we wouldn't be people who simply settle for a part of you, that we would hunger for all of you. That there would be a peace that would wash over us, that we don't have to fret, we don't have to worry, we don't have to strive. We can be patient, we can wait, we can listen, we can be led. Lord, I just say that, I think I speak for all of us in this moment, you have our permission to lead us. So lead us. We pray this all in your name, amen.